Forget about the curveball, Ricky. Give him a heater. And welcome to the Heater Podcast. I'm Dan Lewig. He's Corey Peeper, and we are ready for playoff baseball this week. Uh, the more random, normally highs and lows of a season Brewers fans experienced in uh, in one solid week from not only clinching the division to extracurricular activities, uh, putting some things into question for playoff hopes. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, wild card uh, matchups, ALDS, NLDS preview. Uh, go back to our uh, preseason predictions, our best right, our worst wrong. How do those uh, turn out? Along with uh, go back to that crystal ball and see what our postseason predictions were and how that matches up currently. Uh, and then there's the uh, the age old expression: "There's always next year." Who actually has real hope? for next year uh, based upon what they've seen at the end of, of this season uh, and why should those uh, why should some fans be optimistic about the next year uh, we're going to talk about all that here in our podcast but before we dive into that first it's important to be, give the wonderful fall reminder that the heater podcast is brought to you by river creek popcorn for all of your snacking needs for baseball games and movies of choice there's only a few weekends left uh, stock up for your baseball playoffs come hungry leave happy Two it more was weeks. a massive weekend for you guys. Uh, biggest one ever. It's hard to believe, but yeah, we just put out the biggest weekend we've ever had. And thank you to all the people who stopped by. And it's not actually, I think it's probably next week we'll get some, really start to get some color around here too. Like that'll get people out the for traveling. Drives, yeah. Right now it's just a lot of people enjoying it. Like it was like 80 this weekend in October in Wisconsin, which is I know your wife texted me that she wasn't exactly thrilled with that. I love it, but uh, a lot She's of people want ready to text pictures of snow, and that's a four-letter word I don't allow in this I know. house. A lot of people want it to get colder right now, but I'm still happy with the heat, and so the co- the colors are coming, and people start driving, and then we get you know art tours around here are going to start happening as they enjoy like some of the orchards we have. So yeah, it's a good time to be around here, and baseball is a big part of that. <laughs> Harvest season with fall colors and the. Uh, uh, the more what I call perfect fall weather to me, you're going to be in the in this upper 60s, 60s maybe crack 70 uh, for the high. And it gets uh, cold at night, week. which makes it fun, like yeah. crisp in the morning. You need three sets of clothes uh, right. in, in Wisconsin this time of year. Whatever you're wearing in the morning, then whatever you're wearing by afternoon. And then if you want to put back yeah. what you had on in the morning <laughs> in the evening, you can do that or something different. So If you've never understood the concept of dressing in layers, come to Wisconsin in fall because that is exactly what Wisconsin in fall is, is layer dressing. And the popcorn wagon gets really hot when it gets busy because we just keep popping popcorn and uh, – so I was down to like a cutoff still today, even though it's October 1st and people are like, aren't you cold? I'm like, nope, not even a little bit. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this is my time of, of year. Like I said, it's uh, also football season kicking That's in right. baseball playoffs that we're going to talk about here. It's chilly weather. It's hoodie weather. Uh, so this is uh, when Bill Belichick's uh, wardrobe is at its peak. So uh, as they're playing uh, Sunday night football uh, right now with the uh, the salty matchup with uh, uh, Tom Brady's Congratulations, uh, return. Congratulations, Tom Brady. You're, uh, you're the man. 
proved right. Both, neither one wanted to admit anything on public record within this. It's all smooth. Hey, we're still honky we're door. Friends. We're best friends. We're BFFs. We're on each other's uh, Christmas card list. <laughs> you know, it's it's all there. Uh, no, it is not. Uh, but uh, again, taking the high road, moving on from it, turning the page. That's all you can do at this point anyways. Leave the rest of it for the multi-million dollar book you'll write when your career is over. Both of you can write a multi-million dollar book. Yep. Everyone would want to, I feel like people would really want to read Belichick's book just because whether you decided to write like a coaching book or just like a book about life. I feel like that would end up so high in the bestseller list with his, all of his weird little sayings, like how to talk to the media, just deflect everything. <laughs> or if he decided to do a tell all, oh, who yeah. would not oh, want that yeah. book, right? Uh, to be the, the anti Belichick book, uh, the quotes that people really wanted when they were trying to pull quotes from him. Uh, I think that would be a very intriguing book as well. Uh, but let's d- dive into baseball playoffs. We're going to take a look at first. Uh, uh, Jeff Passan was so rooting in the last 48 hours uh, for the, the cats and dogs Ooh. living together, mass hysteria, uh, and it didn't quite uh, turn out that way. It was still close. Close. Uh, but uh, the two teams that were on top in the AL uh, stayed Yankees and Red Sox. And Red Sox were down by three at one point, three run shot to tie it up later in the game. Uh, Seattle couldn't quite get there, uh, but uh, for them, they overachieved. Oh yeah, uh, and and had a, a wonderful year. Their counterpart, the Blue Jays, underachieved mm-hmm. with what they had on. They everything was there in the last couple of weeks, and they just needed to beat the Twins. Mm-hmm. You you uh, lose two or three to the Twins, you change that series, you change your your playoff destination. Uh, so that's a. Uh, a frustrating one, but still a team that you are waiting to see uh, because there uh, there's still threats next year, uh, and we'll save that conversation for another podcast. But let's take a look at our wild card matchups. Uh, also, props to the Giants for holding on uh, a hundred and five win wild card team. Is that what we're at with the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers? I- I saw a friend of mine sent me a message. I think I don't remember who he got it from, but it was since acquiring Trey Turner and Max Scherzer, the Dodgers were like 53 and 10 and they had gained one, like 53 and 14 or something like that. And they'd gained one game on the Giants and it was just mind boggling. And they did, they held them off. So 106 wins and the Dodgers are playing one game possibly. And, uh, and so let's, uh, well, we'll hold on to that one because okay. we'll go, we'll go we'll in chronological AL. order. So I have for a thrilling Tuesday, we do have the uh, uh, the uh, traditional evil empire mm-hmm. and the uh, the modern evil empire. Uh, with uh, the Yankees and Red Sox, you have the biggest rivalry in baseball, the, the more iconic ones that's been there. Uh, and you now have, uh, I believe we're set up for Cole uh, starting for the Yankees. But sale was today, mm-hmm. so is it Nathan Avaldi? Is that who they're expecting for game two? I would. Why is, why wouldn't be game to be just for the wild card? One. I would have to guess it will be. Yes, they have already named him two hours ago. They named Avaldi the wild card starter. The Yankees were able to go with Jamison Tyone today and put him, and they just basically piggybacked him the whole game with their still pretty competent bullpen at times. It kind of falters, but Loaiza uh, goes pretty good. He's probably their best, second best pitcher. Him or Chapman. Behind he has Cole. been after watching the series. He's he yeah. is. Uh, in peak form right now, which is where you want him to be since Chapman still struggles at times to find the strike zone. Mm-hmm. So, but they're going to send out Cole and, you know, there's still talk of he's maybe not as effective as he was at the beginning of the year. He's still one of the best three to five pitchers in the game. I don't know if there's a whole lot of debate about that, but 
Nate Valdi's been really good this year too for the Red Sox. Nate Valdi's been really good. It will be at New York, right? It'll be at New Correct. York. So expect to see some runs scored. That's the they're both small parks, but New York is really small, and so you expect to see some runs scored. I think I would have to probably favor the Yankees just because of the Garrett Cole over Nathan Avaldi. Uh, one more thing to factor in injuries as we look at that. Mm-hmm. There's two key injuries, one for each team. Uh, DJ LeMahieu just went on the IL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, J.D. Martinez left the game with a sprained ankle today. Uh, nothing is for sure on that, but there sure looks like that could be an IL stint. Did you see, what about Gio Urshela? Because I heard he made some incredible catch and he got hurt too. He was back out on the field. Really? Okay. It, it, it looked I didn't see it. bad. I heard it was incredible. I have it, not seen well, the play yet. It was a fantastic catch as he's getting over towards the, the spot, you know, where you have the opening where there's the steps heading mm-hmm. into the... Uh, Dugout. And and so what happened, the reason why it was... It, this wasn't the, the Derek Jeter propelling himself into the stands moment, uh, but it was a fantastic play, and then he trips over his own other foot as he's trying to stop and plant. Mm-hmm. And that causes him to fall, like going head first oh. into the dugout. And with the trip there, he wasn't able to brace himself. Normally, when guys do that mm-hmm. going in, they can brace themselves well. He couldn't because of that. And he's there. going full force into it. And he landed hard. Uh, and I remember the, the Rays commentators as watching the game was saying like, so many different bad things could happen from mm-hmm. that, right? I mean, you're talking possibilities of compound fractures, sure. massive yeah. concussion, whatever you're landing on That's within concrete, it. Usually, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of bad things that could have happened. Uh, and for him to be able to stand and walk back to the dugout was you could tell, just a limp, and you could tell it hurt. Sure, Obviously, yeah. he was in pain. It hurt. Uh, but surprised as everyone else when at the half inning, uh, after that, because uh, it was uh, Yankees were going up to the plate in a half inning, he was back out at shortstop. Good. Uh, unbelievable. So, again, from uh, uh, that one could have been a gone for the playoffs type of situation. He was back in the game. So, I think overall, he's he's good. I think it'll be interesting. Some of the Yankees acquisitions that I know we both really liked have not been particularly good for them, even though they keep winning games. It has not been because Joey Gallo has been great or Anthony Rizzo has been great. Uh, you know, they put a lot of money into those guys, and Rizzo could be – he got them to the playoffs, right? They did get the playoffs. Now you can't argue against that, but if they don't win a game here, I mean, expect them to leave, and it was not a very good time in New York City. So I think it'll be interesting to see if those guys do anything to help them win this game. The, the challenge for them, obviously, isn't this game. It's getting the next game because whoever's winning this is going to be facing the, the Rays. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that in the next uh, portion here. But I, I'm with you. I, I'm agreeing with uh, uh, Garrett Cole on the mound, them winning uh, the wild card game, uh, especially with J.D. Martinez going down. The, the, the Yankees lineup has more options yes. uh, than what Boston does uh, and also the Yankee bullpen. Uh, I still like better than than Boston's. Yeah, the the Boston bullpen has been. I would wonder if Nathan Avaldi only gives him like, you know, if he's pitching well to let him pitch. But otherwise, Tanner Houck's been awesome for them since they moved him to the relief role. I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see him try to eat like four or five innings for him because a lot of their middle relief is pretty questionable. Garrett Whitlock's been okay at the back end, but they have some more. They have many more question marks in the Boston bullpen than I have with the Yankees one. So again, but at the, at the same time, two teams that are extremely familiar with each other, and, and when that's the case, anything can happen uh, in that type of game. Garrett Cole's not going to fool anyone. Now he still has the sheer talent where it doesn't matter; he can overpower uh, a, a team. Uh, but the familiar the familiarity is going to be a factor. 
uh, in that. So we'll see. But, yeah, Yankee prediction on both sides here. Uh, let's go to Wild Wednesday. We have the uh, the meager wild card, <laughs> yet 105-game winning Dodgers going up against the hottest team in Major League Baseball with the St. Louis Cardinals. And we have a pitching matchup of Max Scherzer versus Adam Wainwright. So this one, once again, the Dodgers are suddenly getting beat up again here because I watched the Dodgers this last couple of games here as they played the Brewers and Clayton Kershaw it hurt his elbow and doesn't sound like should they win this game, he'll be available. And Max Muncy left today's game with like a hyperextended elbow of some type too. So uh-huh. it just seems like they're not get, likely to be able to play in the wild card is the report yeah. now. So, you know, that's that probably means I would assume Pujols is going to play first for him or maybe they'll shift something around because they Dude, maybe Ballinger will move to first again. I don't know. But it's not great for them right now to be getting having these injuries with all the other stuff they've dealt with this year. But once again, you still – I'm still going to take – anytime you tell me Max Scherzer is pitching in one game, I will take Max Scherzer. Uh, that's just the way it is. So you have to favor the Dodgers. They have a better team on paper than – we've said this a million yep. times – than any other team in baseball. So to not pick – to pick against them would be – It'd be asinine, but the Cardinals are playing well, I'm, really I'm good. I'm going there. Are I'm you? going with okay. my heart over my it. head. The Cardinals uh, are really good right now. Only because of – here's the other stat that, again, do I expect him to come out and, and throw almost a complete game shutout? Yeah, that's what, uh, what you expect from Scherzer. But he has given up 10 runs in his last two starts. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, of – again, these guys haven't pitched this many innings in a while. He just – if he is average – it keeps the Cardinals in it, and their offense is hot. So if if he even gives up three runs uh, in, in a five- or six-inning start, the Cardinals are in this. Uh, I, As weird as it is, I believe in a dominant one start from Adam Wainwright over Max Scherzer right now. Wainwright's been great. And uh, we'll come back next week and see how massively wrong I was, but... Uh, I do. I desperately want to see the Dodgers knocked out in this wild card. Absolutely, is that my motivation? Absolutely. Am I letting that influence my pick? Absolutely, and I'm good with that. With it being the Cardinals and Adam Wainwright. Watch the Cardinals for a long time as a Brewers fan, and I think I dislike them more than the Dodgers. Pesky. It's just the fact I don't know how they do it ever, and yet they always find a way, and it gets really annoying. So. I'll be pulling for the Dodgers. Like, I'm not going to lie. I'm, not, I'm going to pull for the Dodgers in this game, even though they probably are the best team. Any but. Brewer fan would in this scenario. It's hard to root for anyone from your own mm-hmm. division. Uh, At least my, both the teams aren't from my division like your thing is in the AL. Like That's got to be real tough for you. Well, again, it's shot, in, it's shot in Freda, absolutely. So no matter what, I win. Uh, and also, the, the Rays have played well against the Yankees and Red Sox. So mm-hmm. it, in that matchup, them, I'm, yeah. I'm fine with that. I wanted one of them more than I wanted Toronto. And I did not want Toronto sneaking in and all of a sudden deciding to all of a sudden flip the switch. Uh, so I'm, I'm fine with uh, both of those teams from that perspective. But, yeah, I'm going Cardinals. you got Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Let's move to the, we started talking about it, with the Rays and the, the AL East matchup. It's going to be one of those two teams. Uh, again, these teams know each other really well. That tends to favor, if you look at their records, that tends to favor the Rays. They do very well because the, sure. the way they prepare, uh, they're always ready to go against the teams they're more familiar with. Uh, they are 12-3 and uh, at Yankee State, no, 12-4 and now, at Yankee Stadium in the last two years. Uh, this is, uh, I love that matchup uh, most uh, because I believe they have the right type of pitching to shut down the Yankees' offense. They're, 
massive power hitters, but there's holes in their swing. Uh, and the Rays pitching staff has exploited that consistently over the last two years. Could they get hot and, and sweep the Rays in this? No doubt that's a possibility. Uh, but I would like that matchup more, actually, than the Red Sox. I still think it's a good matchup for the Rays. Uh, uh, but the unless someone like Gallo finally gets hot, because that added bat changes the complexion of that lineup. Uh, they're doing some things, but not enough. They've been carried by Giancarlo Stanton from Aaron yeah. Judge the last like yep. two, yep. three weeks here, and it's gotten them to the playoffs. But when you get to the playoffs, it's really hard to rely on one or two guys. Uh, that's really – the Rays sort of did that last year with Rosarino. Like, he was a lot of their offense last year. And, oh, yeah. And uh, it worked for a while, but eventually, you know, you get a cold game and it doesn't – doesn't work. So you run into a buzzsaw known as the Los Angeles Dodgers. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's really hard when you have to rely. Postseason baseball, you get the best pitchers, right? You get the best pitchers, usually the best three, sometimes the best four pitchers, starting pitchers, and then you get really good starting pitchers that pitch relief for you, as we saw with the Dodgers and Urias last year. So what ends up happening is you can't have relying on one batter becomes much harder. You need to string together hits. Like you can't rely on the home run as much as the Yankees do. And I think that's yeah, your team's built better for the playoffs than either of those two teams. The, and I would agree the Red Sox probably are built better for the playoffs than the Yankees because like Raphael Devers and Xander Bogarts don't tend to strike JD Martinez. You mentioned if he's healthy, those guys don't tend to strike out as much. Now they also have, you know, big swingers and Hunter Enfro and Kyle Schwarber. But uh, I, I think the Red Sox are probably a worse matchup for the Rays now, whichever one wins, the Yankees or the Rays, or the Yankees or the Red Sox, at this point, the way the Rays have played them, like you just said, the last couple of years, regular season and postseason, you have to take. I would have to take the Rays. Here's the only question, though, uh, and that's like you said. You mentioned uh, the pitchers that you normally face in the postseason. You mentioned the veterans you normally face in the postseason. The Rays are going in with the exact opposite. They're going in with rookies. Now they have done well. Shane McClanahan has pitched well. Uh, Drew Rasmussen, since going into the rotation, gives you five innings where he gives it maybe one or two runs. He's been extremely effective for them. Uh, Shane Boz, uh, just his third start uh, was at Yankee Stadium this weekend when everything is uh, un unfolding. Uh, he has looked very good for them. Michael Waka, over his last 80 innings now, he's given him like, uh, an ERA of under three. I don't know what he's figured out within it, uh, but he has started to look good. So that's the one veteran they have with the other three. Those are the ones they're relying on. Uh, so that's going to be different, and sometimes that playoff environment can mess with that. I think the Rays have these guys ready to go, uh, but that is still a question mark that uh, is going to stay there until they prove otherwise. Yeah, but the Yankees have Garrett Cole and we Nestor Cortez. Like you're trying, I'm not yeah. trusting Nestor yeah. Cortez, right? Because I think Kluber has got up to like two, three innings, and that's it. So you're not trusting him. And the Red Sox have Sale and Evaldi, right? Those guys are. I get Rivaldi's solid at this point. He had a very good year in sale. You know what you're getting there, although he's only able to go about five, six innings still all this year. And then other Red Sox pitchers, I don't even know who they'd throw out there for a game three, to tell you the truth. You're also losing Cole and Evaldi until oh, yeah. at least That's game true. three yeah, or good four point. In, yeah. in that too. So they have to burn their, their uh, pitcher in the wild card game, which also creates a bigger advantage when you don't have pitching depth uh, to handle that. Like those teams definitely don't. So that puts another advantage in, into the hand of the Rays. Yeah, I guess, uh, I'm yeah. sorry, I was just looking, like I'm trying to figure out who their game, I guess it would be Nick Pavetta, would be the Red Sox game three starter. So like I'll take yeah. Shane McClanahan's or Shane Boz's or Drew, or Drew Rasmussen's youth over Nick Pavetta's 
uh, track record, like yeah. Yeah. track record. It's been a good year. Like, I don't want to take that, but there's something to be said for, we saw what they did last year with, it was McClanahan last year who came up in the postseason, right? And made his debut and, you know, he looked great this year. And so throw hard, get guys out. There's something to be said for that. And that's what they have seemed to develop in Tampa Bay. The race stable has moved to the rotation. Uh, and mm-hmm. those three guys uh, throw 98 miles an hour. Nick and Anderson's they, and they back, well. I heard, right? I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think he went back on the IL with some oh, shoulder tightness. I, I, he's not the Nick Anderson we've seen in the last two years. It's just not there right now. Uh, but the, there's other guys that have Matt Whistler is back looking good. Uh, Pete Fairbanks uh, and uh, Andrew Kittridge. There's the guys that have performed well uh, all year long. So uh, the bullpen is, is, is stocked uh, uh, for that one too. The other ALDS matchup, we have the Houston Astros versus the Chicago White this Sox. Is this is the one this I, is I'm looking one. forward to. Uh, you have old school and kind of new school, uh, but you have uh, White Sox pitching versus Houston offense. That's a matchup I'm ready mm-hmm. for. Yeah, this this one should be good. Uh, it, these two teams have been among the best teams in baseball all year. We both thought that early on, and they've both delivered. Uh, I think Houston's offense is, like, I don't want to say the White Sox pitching is bad, because it's not, but it's... Like we said, that's not super consistent. And Houston's offense will work you to death. Like I believe they lead baseball in OPS on base percentage walks. They they take a ton of pitches. Eltuve, Bregman, Alvarez, Brantley's coming back. They work Kyle Tucker. Like they work you. It is not a easy lineup at all to get through. It is tough. And as good as Lucas Giolito's been, there's been some chinks in the armor this year. And Dylan Cease has got games where he's amazing and then he has games where he goes really high and really low and so Lance Lynn's kind of the opposite like Lance Lynn's solid right but he's only one he's only one and Houston doesn't have the they don't have the Lucas Giolito arm like Granke's been pretty bad for them for a while but Framber Valdez and some Lance McCullers they're a little more volatile than I'd say like Lance Lynn but they can give you five six innings and then they've fixed their bullpen so I'm gonna take Houston in that series that's the underrated part. The Astros have fixed their bullpen, uh, and that offense is so dangerous. Uh, they don't need guys to give them uh, six shutout innings. Uh, just keep them in the game. The offense can do it. And uh, the Astros are a more complete team. Uh, and uh, I don't think that, to be honest, as much as I look forward to the matchups, I don't think this one's close. I'd say the uh, the Astros in four is going to be my, my prediction Ooh. on that one. Uh, uh, LaRusso is not going to uh, keep these guys in that for, for too long. But I think they've been trying to keep him in it uh, uh, for too long as well. I I think that it, I, I'll, go, I'll say like six. I'm going to go six on that one. But for all the issues that I've had with Tony LaRusso, they did win 93 games. And I don't, you know, Dusty Baker, they're both very old managers, right? Like Dusty Baker and Tony LaRusso are probably the two oldest managers in the game. I would have to yeah. look that up, but I would assume they're the two oldest managers so. in the game. And Dusty is more the hands-off approach, whereas Tony Larusa has his fingers in everything, from what you can tell. And so, I think that's probably why I like the the way the Astros play more. It's just like trust your guys, whereas Tony Larusa, you seems they, like he overmanages everything. So long. He just seems like he overmanages everything. So, let's say that there's well, here's here's the other quick catch for okay. the uh, uh, the division round. We're talking best of five for this round. It doesn't, right. it doesn't go to seven until the uh, AL and NLCS. That's right. You're right. I forgot uh, so, about that. So with that, again, also means whoever gets out to the fast start uh, is is key. Uh, so again, it could could that game go five or a series go five? Absolutely. 
Uh, that'll be the one to watch. Uh, that'll yep. be the one yep. that I'm mo- probably most looking forward to beyond, you know, my own team here. And you're, I'm sure you want to see your own team. But as far as, like, the other matchups, it just so happens I, I love Houston and the White Sox. It's two very good teams, and we've known they're going to be good teams. And so I think that one of them is going to be yeah, a, a team to be reckoned with, I'll say that. Well, we're in agreement on who's going to win it, even if mm-hmm. it's a different, a different games. Uh, let's switch to the NLDS. Let's talk about the uh, uh, the Giants. Uh, and whoever's going to be the uh, the winner of that wild card game, if it's Dodgers or Cardinals, a if it's Dodgers, can the Giants keep doing what they have done for 162 games and hold off uh, the Dodgers? If it's the red hot Cardinals, is can the Giants pitching cool them down? Just a shout. The Giants were 107 and 55. That is a phenomenal year, and and over overlooked. How good it's because, been. Because all the talk has been yeah. about the Dodgers, even though the yeah. Giants from start to finish have owned the top of that division. Mm-hmm. And they're still not given the recognition that they are. And, in fact, I'm going to give another one. I know we're going to talk about uh, preseason predictions. I know who should be the NL uh, Cy Young winner. It's Kevin Gaussman. He's it's not getting the love that he should for this type of team and what he's done uh, uh, for that. So my NL Cy Young pick right now is Kevin Gaussman, and that's meant to also be a nod to what the Giants have done with him being the ace that has done it because it has been their pitching that has led the way. Their offense has been better, but their pitching has been phenomenal. They have this, like, stacked one-two on the top with with Gaussman, and and Logan Webb has been an ace for the second half of the season. I think he's got a a 293 RA on the season now with 150 strikeouts. Like, he's been awesome. Those two at the top of a rotation are, are, are incredible. And so then it becomes, you know, who, who are you going to pitch in a third game, though? Is, is it DiSclefani? Is it Cueto? Does it matter? I don't know. Like, they have a team that we've said many times is built for Giant Stadium. So I think for them, it's going to the Dodgers is possibly a better matchup for them than St. Louis in a weird way because of just the weird way that it works with the park yeah just the fact that it's it's something that they're used to they've like you said they've been competing against this essentially all year whether or not they've actually versed them or not it seems like they've known they need to stay ahead they've played to this underdog mentality with Gabe Kapler as this manager who's kind of been and past years kind of been criticized for his handling of bullpens he got kicked out of Philadelphia right and it's kind of been this you know Evan Longoria he's washed up Buster Posey he's washed up and they've bust- Brandon Bell Brandon Bell right and he's actually hurt now but he's not going to play because when yeah. he break his hand I saw or something but you know it's a lot of these like misfit toy things and it's clicked as well as it could be and so Chris Bryant has been a solid yeah. acquisition for them uh is nothing uh earth shattering if I remember the stats right but again they just needed another solid productive bat and he has he has given them that and, and that's kind of what the whole team has been is just yeah. solid productive players and it was what they did last year in the 60 game season and I think we all at least the two of us and most people that I have listened to kind of said okay well 60 games let's let's see it and there was a lot of teams that the Marlins made the playoffs last year too right and it was 60 games let's see it and we saw them not be able to sustain it but here they are, 162 games later, the Giants are the best team in baseball, and no one wants to give them any credit. And should they end up facing the Dodgers, I'm sure it will be a lot of people saying, oh, well, let's see if the Giants really are better than the Dodgers, and they they very well could be at this point. Do you like either one, Dodgers or Cardinals, over Giants in that series? I really want to see the Giants. I really want to see the Dodgers versus the Giants for seven games. I think I would – man – so hard to pick against him because of what you've seen. Yep. I think I would still have to take the Dodgers just because of 
you can roll out. So I just said how good the top, top two are on the Giants, and then it's who's number three. But the, the Dodgers can roll out, even if they pitch Scherzer in the one game, you can roll out Walker Bueller, Julio Urias, Max Scherzer, and if Kershaw gets healthy or whatever, like Tony Gonsolin is still in there. The, the pitching depth that the Dodgers always have gives them an advantage in a series, is what I would say. Here's here's the other part, and so this is going to sound like I'm uh, flip-flopping That's from fine. before so we can understand what I'm basing things on. I like Wainwright in a one-game thing. I love uh, that type of matchup versus that team when it's a winner-take-all one. I don't like the Dodgers in a best-of-five or nope. best-of-seven. Yep. You can't face that that type of talent that much and come out on top. In a one-game do-or-die, anything can happen. Uh, so if, it, if the Dodgers do get past that and they come to this, yeah, I'm taking the Dodgers. And not as much for the pitching, though that's obvious. They have it for days. No matter who there's gets hurt on that offense, yeah. there's always another MVP you have to face. Uh, so you have it where, okay, Max Muncy goes down. Trey Turner's going off in more of an MVP caliber thing. He, it was all about Scherzer with that deal. Trey Turner could end up being the actual difference maker of the two uh, the way that Mookie Betts was uh, last year within it. And that's saying something with how Scherzer has pitched overall since going there that Trey Turner could be the more impactful player of that trade for trying to get back to the to the the World Series this year, and it's October, and I see Corey Seager was three for three today. He had a couple home runs. This is this is where he tends to step up. Justin Turner had a nice home run yesterday. Yeah. So, yeah, like, sure, you, you, we can talk pitching for days, but you're right. Yes, the Dodgers still have probably the best offense in the game. Like, it just doesn't get even with guys hurt. Yeah, it does, it does, we we just uh, talk about their pitching because it is so good. But yeah, the. Over a seven-game series, I don't know how you can't pick the Dodgers. Over over a series, I don't know how you can't pick the Dodgers. You're right. Like, the Cardinals in one game could get the Dodgers. Yeah, Adam Wainwright's won multiple World Series titles. He's probably, like, a borderline Hall of Famer. Could he win one game? Sure. As big game, uh, as big game of a pitcher as you'll find. <laughs> yeah. Now, after Adam Wainwright, are, since let's say they win that game, are they throwing out J.A. Happ in game two? Are they throwing out, like... I'm not even if sure it, what they would Cardinals, do. If it's Cardinals, I'm going Giants. Yes, absolutely. If it's Dodgers, uh, I'm I'm at Dodgers for that. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, for any uh, Giants fans that are out there that are ranting and raving at, at uh, comments like this, I, I get it uh, because I've been on the other yeah. side of that with the Rays versus Yankees and Red Sox. Rays can beat them all year long, and you'll still have all the prognosticators saying Yankees or Red Sox in the postseason. I get it. This is how you develop that reputation, though. Go do it. And Prove people wrong. And they've done it. Uh, and you've done it for 162, but guess what? Now we're at a point of the season where it, that don't matter. Uh, now all that matters is a best of five or best of seven. Uh, so go out there, prove it, keep them from all going want, there. I yeah. would, like, yeah, I would love to see the Giants win it. I think it would be great for the game because of the fact that everybody is – written them off and remember nobody even we didn't nobody thought that they had a chance to finish any better than third in that division i was just gonna say everyone <laughs> talked dodgers everyone no. talked padres no one talked giants can we talk just even throughout the even throughout the year it was still dodgers and padres no matter what the giants were doing and what their record was everyone was waiting for the health to be there for the the padres to step up and do what uh, everyone expected them to do and it's the Giants who produced the 107-win season. Can we, like, sidebar for two minutes on the San Diego Padres? Just, like, two minutes. First off, the Padres fired yes. their manager this week. Uh, Jace Tingler was the proverbial scapegoat. A for joke of a decision <laughs> for for things that... It wasn't because the players that he had didn't perform because of what he was doing. Nope, not uh, at all. I thought he was a great manager. <laughs> this was injuries, period. It was just injuries, and... 
again, you, you feel bad for the, the being that – no other franchise has been this snake bit with injuries for being as aggressive as they were of trying to go and get a winner. And they have – for two years, they have tried accumulating these players, and there was nothing wrong with those deals. Everyone is just getting hurt in them. How can you – you can't plan for that. So I think they need to go out and get Rick Renteria, who got screwed by the White Sox for Tony La Russa. Like, if you if, – I'm not saying he's a better manager than Chase Tingler, but I, I don't know who is for this team. And – so I thought it was an extremely short-sighted decision. And so, yeah, it was a disappointing year. You finished, here's a guess. How, how many games ahead of the, the Rockies did the Dodgers or the Padres finish? Take a guess at this one. 15? Four and a half. Wow. 79 and 83, the Padres. The Rockies, 74 and 87. That's hard to believe. That's somewhat saying the Rockies weren't as terrible as everyone the, thought, which the, is kind of the interesting. The Rockies had a... 48 and 33 home record. I believe they have one of the best home records in the game. Now they take advantage. Of what's, that's great. Take advantage of what you got. That's your advantage. Now they had the worst road record, but yeah. So we're not, we can sit here and criticize the Rockies. I can sit and criticize the Padres, but I thought Jace Tinkler did a good job. I think that he's he not the reason why they underachieved. No. And I think you should get another chance somewhere. So, and, uh, uh, we'll have to look at who the the openings are as we start looking at the off season within that, but he's someone who I would be targeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I needed a manager, sure. Because remember when we we both questioned it because it was in the uh, it started with the pandemic shortened season, right? Uh, uh, he was plucked from like an analytical. It, it yep. wasn't. It was the, a weird. The Rangers analytical systems. Yeah. Uh, so someone with not a lot with no experience within it and very little managerial experience within it, you throw him into a pandemic season with all of these expectations, and then this, and you're now trying to say this is his fault. Uh, he did a phenomenal job overall over the course of, of two seasons and a lot of bad circumstances. I don't know how many other rookie managers had to deal with the things that he's had to deal with in just a, a two-year stint. How does that give you a chance to prove anything? Uh, again, it, it's a very nearsighted move. I agree with you. So uh, definitely a two-minute rant worth uh, <laughs> worth being done there and, and also updating on the managerial uh, change that is going to be taking place in San Diego. Uh, that being said, it's a job that a lot of people are going to want. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you hope for just better injury luck, uh, you're going to look like a, an awesome guy, even though you did absolutely nothing, just like you did nothing to be fired for this. Better injury luck is going to make someone look very good. Throw some money at Tony Larusa. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go, AJ Perler. We know you love that. Let's go to the last game here. The one that everyone's waiting for, That's right. uh, and the one that we know for sure. It is the uh, Milwaukee Brewers versus the Atlanta Braves. Uh, and I've mentioned to you uh, multiple times when this was shaping up this way that I like this matchup for the Brewers. Uh, I do too. I it, think it is the dominant pitching because again, the, uh, what what Atlanta like? They're they're star uh, heavy. Mm-hmm. You have Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. You also have Charlie Morton. You have a couple of guys like this that, uh, if you're able to neutralize it on the offensive side, which again Woodruff, Burns, Peralta, like you have the equalizer uh, for this. And I always believe that good pitching shuts down good hitting. So if you're just going top three here, because that's what really matters in this series, it's the Braves are going to throw out Charlie Morton, Max Fried, Nee, and Anderson, and you know Charlie Fried's a or Charlie Fried. Charlie Morton's a veteran who's proven to be very good in the postseason, extremely good in the postseason. Max Fried has been great all year, and Ian Anderson, we saw him last year. But at this point, the Brewers' top three: Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta have proven to be the best, probably top three in the game at this point. And so, yeah. Outside you, of whatever the Dodgers are throwing out there. Yeah, well, yeah sure. <laughs> and uh, But you'd, you'd have to say in a best-of-five series, the Brewers have the advantage. I, yep. Burns just 
pitched short the other day, so I think he's going to pitch game one, I would assume, and then you'll probably see Woodruff and then Peralta, and then you'd go from there. And so it'll be at Milwaukee, and that's also an advantage for the Brewers. I, yeah, the Braves have the Braves have a great offense, right? Freddie Freeman, you just mentioned Freddie Freeman, and you didn't, you know, Albies, and they brought in all those outfielders that they needed to to help plug the holes. And I think, you know, get Ronald Acuna back next year, the Braves are going to be really good again. They, this is, what, five straight postseasons in a row again for them because they, they're a very good team. But the Brewers on paper sure, certainly seem to be a better team and at least a good matchup for them. And I don't know of anyone, if we just rewind back to last weekend's feel-good weekend, right? It was the, you clinch the division, you have uh, Ryan Braun's retirement, you have Bob Euchre Day. Uh, everything's going well when we were recording the podcast last week. Talking and, about the bullpen. And then, and then, nomination for dumbest move of the year. Oh, I think it's got to be the winner. I think it's got to be the winner because at this point of the, the context. Yep. Because of this point in the season, Devin Williams decides to go and have a good time at a bar. Too good of a time. Gets himself where, uh, uh, Im- impaired and also not emotions in check and decides getting upset at a situation, punches a hole in the wall, doesn't have the frame of mind to, at least if you're going to do something that stupid, do a non-pitching hand, but let's use our pitching hand, break the hand, and again, the the one linchpin we set on this team was trying to find just enough back-end relief help, and we thought with the emergence of Andy Ashby uh, and a couple others who've come in for solidifying the seventh inning spot. It's like, okay, they finally have it. They've been, they were searching for that since the Adamas trade. They finally had it. And then Devin Williams for worst teammate of the year award. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we the Brewers, uh, once again, should have a massive advantage as far as the bullpen is concerned. Uh, Hater's been great all year, and Will Smith's not been very good as far as closing his goals. But then yeah, middle relief should have been the Brewers, too. Like, Devin Williams, was after a cold start to the season, looked like the guy who was the defending rookie of the year, defending reliever of the year. He's been pitching great. He got that changeup back, and he's been pitching great. But then... You said it like he's he was an idiot. He punched a wall, broke his hand. He's gonna miss the playoffs. Ten dollar so, arm with a two cent head. Yeah, so he's gonna they're gonna have to fill in. You mentioned Ashby, Hunter Strickland has been pretty good back there at times. Um, Brad Boxberger, like, but those guys were gonna be now it's by committee. Now now you got to plug those guys instead of being sixth inning, fifth inning. If you wanted to give like a nice lead and you wanted to try to move Peralta or you know trying to shorten up their starts, now it's they have to pitch in a much more higher leverage role, which you didn't. You didn't want to have to have them do, but can Weaken they still be the okay? team at a wrong time? Sorry, I didn't hear you said. Weaken the team at the wrong time. That's and that's the thing. Like we, we, the Braves are the guy that's who broke their hand the first time, right? You Oscar, you know, earlier in the year, I said is an idiot of the year because he got mad at his pitching and he punched a wall and he broke his hand. That was for the Braves, and he's been back, but it took six weeks. So yeah, and that's middle of the season, and yeah. He's back, but this is the end of the year. You cannot get let your emotions or like you mentioned getting impaired, whatever it was. You can't do it right now. Like they needed that arm, and for you to do that to the Brewers, like your teammates got to think about like how selfish is this guy. <laughs> and that leads to the next question: Has Devin Williams pitched in his last game in a Milwaukee Brewer uniform? And here's my reason for the question. If I were a member of the Milwaukee Brewers, and I hear that this has happened, as selfish and stupid of a move that could potentially cost me a chance at a World Series ring for something, not an accident, something completely stupid, 
uh, and makes me now question his ability to make any decision whatsoever. How can I rely on him even next year? When we get around, are you confident that he won't make some another dumb decision within it? How do you not walk in? How does not, uh, whether it's Peralta, Burns, Woodruff, uh, anyone, how do you not go into your manager's office that uh, at some point here and already say, if he's back here next year, I want no part of it? How would any clubhouse member right now, uh, it's broken trust, uh, that's there that I don't know if that can be repaired. I think it's more likely that he gets traded now than Josh Hader, which uh, two weeks Agreed. ago I would have said that's no, like they're going to keep Devin Williams isn't a free agent until 2026. So for a small market team to have that type of an arm under that type of control for yep. a long time, it's almost impossible to move that for, for them. But now to get any sort of like value, yes, the right type yes, of value, the type of that. value that you need for an arm like that, even as a relief arm, who's only maybe giving you an inning, like for what he can offer, it's extremely valuable. But you got to wonder, like, what is the feeling in the clubhouse now? Because if they, you know, and you mentioned it, there's there's certainly rumors that the team's pissed. And I, I wouldn't blame anyone for being pissed at him. That's certainly understandable. And so if if it's a problem, like, yeah, they, he could very well move this offseason. I, I would not be surprised at all. We'll watch that as that unfolds, but hopefully that's a far ways away of talking Brewers offseason. There's a lot of playoff baseball ahead of us and looking forward to that matchup with the Braves. I also am going Brewers here, as I mentioned before. So I think we're in agreement with however this shakes out on the teams that are there. So that means we'll probably be 0 for 4 next time we talk, but we'll see what happens with playoff baseball just around the corner. Let's take a look. We're going to switch gears. And we're going to uh, find out if there's any humble brags or oofta moments, however you want to say it for that, as we go back to our preseason predictions. Uh, Now that the crystal ball has led us through 162 games, how right were we? And I know you have that pulled up for us to uh, review our uh, division uh, predictions. Well, the AL East, you you can take a bow. You you stuck with your guns, and you said the Tampa Bay Rays were going to win. I saw... Blake Snell leaving. I saw Charlie Morton leaving, and I said, no, I, I actually didn't even put them in the playoffs. I had the Yankees making winning the AL East, who, and you had the Yankees as a wild card, so you got both of those right. I had Toronto as a wild card, so you were by a hair. Game. Like, by a hair. But I did not get that one right. The AL Central, though, I, I can take the bow there. I had the White Sox. You had the Twins. Woo! And uh, I, just, and I, I didn't pick the Twins to make the playoffs, but I thought it was going to be a good team, and that was one of the Worst teams in baseball, like probably the most disappointing team in baseball. Most disappointing uh, team, I, I would agree with that. Uh, and, well, and, hold on, we're gonna, there's another one coming up that I I might have to switch that one just because of well, what they said. It, it was hopeful. I, I get <laughs> you, you bought into the the. the the hope, not the hype. <laughs> the Twins have done it before. So we'd seen the Twins yes. do it, whereas we'll, we'll get to the other team. So we both got the AL West right. The Astros, I think neither one of us, we were both sick and tired of hearing about the trash cans. The Astros are a really good team. They yep. proved it all year. Uh, agreed. And uh, uh, that one was uh, the, the easiest pick to make. So your two wild cards were the Yankees and the White Sox. So you really only got the Twins wrong. You had every other team right. That's very impressive. I had the... Toronto, who just missed, and then I remember I, I was a big I was pushing Kansas City. They started off red hot. They actually played really well down the stretch again, just to suck me back in, which is annoying to me. But I, I could very well be back on Kansas City within there's a still year or so. Some, as they've been developing it from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, there's some young pitching that's starting to emerge from the farm system. There's a few more things that are happening. Uh, it's uh, they are the biggest conundrum. You could see them being uh, the any year's darlings uh, for where things go right. 
they just don't have enough depth either on the the major league roster or the farm system uh, to deal with the when stuff goes wrong. That that was yep. So it was. Yeah, I was. I'll take that one. But we'll move to the NL. The predictions here. I went with Atlanta, which, like you pointed out, looked pretty bad for like the first half of the year. You stuck with the Mets, and that that would be well, the o- number other one. That was the like, just going with the uh, believing in the Mets at all. You've already gone wrong. That would be the other disappointing team, right? Like because of the. Steve Cohen coming in. Remember and, all the spl- the splash moves. Yep, they spent yep. money. They brought in Lindor. They uh, I, and then it just it just didn't. And the for for me with the Braves, like I said, it wasn't that I didn't think they were a good team. It was one of those like after a year like that, just everything going wrong, like one step forward, two steps back, and for no like legitimate reason, it just not coming together. And for what eighty five percent of the season, I was. For that exact reason, you couldn't quite put a, a pin on it. Like some injuries obviously were a big part, but then there's always something mm-hmm. that was there. So I was spot on on that prediction until the last little bit when I will say it's more because of Philadelphia and the Mets' incompetence yep. more than the Braves uh, fully turning it on, not to take anything away from them. Props to them for winning the division uh, and proving me wrong. Another, once again, I wish I, I should have wrote these down. Who did it? I saw another one. The Mets spent the most time in first place for a team that ended up finishing below 500. <laughs> I don't remember. I wish I could give you credit, but I was like, that is the most Mets stat ever. Yep. Uh, NL Central, you convinced me. I remember I was going in that night. I had not written it down. I was b- debating between the Reds and the Brewers, and you convinced me, and I went to Milwaukee, so we both got that one right. Good job. <laughs> We both picked the NL West to be the Dodgers, like every other person on planet Earth did. And you know, I'm, it's hard to sit here and say they disappointing year with 106 wins, but they didn't win. They're a wild card. So I'm not going to be uh, kicking myself for not picking uh, the Giants because everyone was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's one where again, props to them for a hundred and one, uh, 107 win season that no one saw coming. Uh, proving everyone wrong and hopefully still have have more left to prove uh, this uh, this postseason. Uh, quick note on, on the on the Brewers. What f- pushed me fully in that direction uh, was a Jeff Passan article uh, when he was he was talking about uh, the just the, the depth upon depth of pitching from starting stuff. That that's where I was finally convinced Corbin Burns for that. When we'll talk about that in a second, but that's where I said. Brewers stepping up to win division, uh, and it has unfolded that way. We actually ended up picking the exact same wild cards. Everybody on the planet Earth picked the Padres, right, or the Dodgers. You picked you picked one of them to win the wild card, yep. and we, we already talked about them. It was a very disappointing year. We both picked the Phillies as the second wild card, and once again, it it was they ended up 82-80. and 80. A lot of the Phillies' issues, once again, came down to the fact <laughs> they were not – they were like – awful on the road again they always seem to find you know last year it was the bullpen that was awful this year it was they couldn't win on the road and they're another like the whole nl east it always seems like the braves figured out the marlins every so often figured out but the mets and the phillies just find a way to lose games what do you appreciate about the phillies is like every team has a weakness right but they like to do theirs in spectacular fashion <laughs> yes it's like great. historical fashion the bullpen last year historically bad uh and then now away historically bad for a team like it's uh again not just having a weakness but doing it in such spectacular fashion so then we had to update where we where we actually were with the uh, world series picks here i took the dodgers over the white Sox, and i 
you know, it's certainly possible, right? I just said I don't think the White Sox are probably going to beat the Astros, but if they did, I wouldn't be surprised, and that that's a possible pick. You took the Dodgers over the Astros, so... And that and, one was the, the the favorite, right? That was yeah, uh, what a lot of people were, okay. were picking. That was that was there, uh, but it was the most likely, uh, and and it still is the most likely. As much yeah. as I love the Rays, Houston is a more complete team. Their offense is more proven. Uh, I still like Houston as the number one seed uh, out of the AL, and it's until uh, as it goes, uh, until someone goes, the king is dead. Long live the king! It's still the Dodgers' throne, uh, and so that's what we're waiting to see. Let's do some individual awards here. So Ed L. Cy Young, I picked Aaron Nola. And on the surface, it's an extremely disappointing year. He pitched to a 463 ERA. But like 180 innings, this dude struck out 223 batters to 39 walks. He had a 314 FIP. I, it was the strangest year ever. He pitched extremely well, but he just would have like these one inning where he give up five runs because he would walk a guy and he'd suddenly give up like he'd walk a guy, a couple of bloops and a home run. And it was, I still think Aaron was really good. Like I will be, enjoy him in fantasy baseball yes, next year when he's rated lower than he should all be. over Aaron in fantasy baseball next year. You pick Corbin Burns. That one's that one's still got a chance. Still got a chance. He's Jason Stark's pick uh, from the athletic uh, with the, uh, the advanced stat triple crown that they were uh, talking about within it. Uh, I think what's going to hurt him is recency bias. Last couple of starts hasn't been necessarily the the, the best. Uh, and they'll remember the home run in his last like two-inning stint that was there with the Dodgers. But uh, still a very good pick. Uh, one that was not a preseason favorite uh, within that. So it's nice to be right on on, uh, on that one. He'll finish top three. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, we both picked Corey Seager to win the National League MVP. So, like, he played 94 games. He had 16 homers, 56 RBIs, and he hit 300. You know, you prorated out. Could he have gotten to 30 home runs with a 300 average and 100 yeah. RBIs? Yeah. Like, I, it wasn't – he got hit in the hand, right? That He broke his hand. He missed eight weeks or whatever it was with the broken hand. That That's what did his chances in. Otherwise, it was a very strong year yet again for Corey Seager. Uh we might end up being just a, a year too soon <laughs> on a pick, which, by the way, I'm going to go back to the previous year. Who did we have for our AL MVP the previous year? Shohei Otani. Yeah, you, you certainly did. Uh, and, uh, and now what do we have this year? What was hoped for last year, you now see from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he doesn't win the MVP, I'm sorry, Vlad, you had a fantastic year. No one has done what Otani's done. AL MVP, can we talk for just one second about... So I think Otani wins it too. I think Vlad finishes second. Marcus Simeon third? Best year ever for a second baseman? I mean, what... uh, Overlooked because of his own teammate. I know! An incredible year, and he has set himself up to get paid. I think it'll be from the team that he's at now. I don't see them letting him leave. I think they're going to give him the money. Uh, And and he's produced a year like this before, so this isn't a fluke. because I remember I was debating him, like, was 2019 where he almost won the MVP, was that the fluke, or was it last year, was that the fluke? Well, now it's it's clear, like, 2019 or 2020, the short year seems to be the fluke, because two of the last three, he's been incredible, and 44 home runs this year, 15 seals. And then, I don't know, and we've talked about him a few times on here, but, like, Salvador Perez, like, the best offensive Historic. season ever for a catcher? Like, the American League has, you you could make the case for any four of those guys, like, if it wasn't for Otani, the fact that Otani pitches gives him like such a substantial edge on that. Now, if offensively, and yeah, and it should. Like, I'm not sitting here crapping on Shohei Otani. I don't want to do that. But like, offensively, <laughs> the four of those guys have insane numbers. If if it was just offense only, 
you could tell me that Salvador Perez had the best year ever just because like he was the MVP, like because he's a catcher or Marcus Simeon deserves MVP. That's I think the AL is awesome and, this year to talk about. And just imagine if Mike Trout was actually healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to talk about a hard like top and not just top one, top five. I, and that's the level that was there for individual performance this year. Uh, and uh, very, uh, uh, very uh, fun race uh, to see. Uh, RAL MVP picks. I picked Alex Bregman. He also dealt with injuries. You picked Mike Trout. Speaking of injuries, I think we pr- must have both picked the same AL Cy Young because I only have one name down. I I picked Lucas Giolito. You must have picked him too because otherwise, unless you remember picking somebody else, I don't know. Uh, I only I, put I one name down. I can't remember that one, but I'm sure it won't be the right one anyways. <laughs> okay. I, I know uh, we didn't pick Robbie Ray, yeah. <laughs> so I, I guarantee you I, w- I would have laughed you off this podcast, but here we sit when uh, Robbie Ray is going to win a Cy Young Award, and I'm going to just never believe that, oh, but here we go. Uh, blame it on the pandemic. <laughs> I will. Uh, AL Rookie of the Year, I picked Andrew Vaughn, and Tony LaRusso messed with his playing time a lot. Nope. You know, when he did play, he was still really good. You picked Rosarena, who got to 2020. I think that's going to get it for him. Like getting so? to the 2020, I think that's going to be... I think it first hurt him how good he was last year in the shortened spot, and then he hasn't been... Because no one could sustain that outside of maybe Shohei Otani or Vlad mm-hmm. <laughs> Jr. Uh, but all around, very good numbers. A good defensive outfielder. A 2020 season. Like He's produced, like I think, three and a half uh, wins above replacement, if not four. It's right in that range which is more than any rookie uh, that's out there. So I, I think overall getting to that that number is going to help when it comes to the voters. Uh, it's going to be him, uh, the Rangers, Adolis Garcia, right? He had a he had a big start, then he kind of cooled way down. But I think they have to have very similar numbers. And Mountcastle had 34, he had the 33 home runs. Three home runs. Like right, Mountcastle quietly had an awesome year for yep. the – Orioles, which I don't know how the Orioles are that bad because they have so many good players, but yeah, it, AL Rookie of the Year is interesting. For NL Rookie of the Year, you picked Key Brian Hayes. I cricked, he hurt his wrist early on in the year and was not very good, and I picked Christian Pache, and I don't, he spent like the first month with the Braves, hit about 112, and they never needed him again, so uh, NL Rookie of the Year is clearly going to be Jonathan India. I don't think there's yeah. a whole lot of debate about that one, but I, I don't have your, I have my first Remember the first weekend we did five hot takes? I don't have yours. I have mine. Yerman Mercedes is the best rookie on the White Sox as he started eight for eight. He was fine until Tony La Russa messed with him, and then he got cut. Notice the theme. Here's a good Here's a good one. I put Keston Hira is lost at the plate and is now a 230 hitter. I would have killed for him to hit 230 for the Brewers this right. year. I would have been very happy if he would have hit 230. He's definitely lost at the plate. I had Boston is not good because they got swept that first weekend. That one was a pretty bad hot take. Uh, Jose Brios is a top 10 pitcher. Eh, eh, he is what he is, like, and I think that's what I was good, not great. Hot taking. He's going to be, always be pretty good. And then we did have Shoy. Uh, mine was Shohei Otani is the best player on the Angels, and that one came to fruition. But uh, yeah, hot takes always fun. I don't. Have I yours. remember the one that I had right. Oh yeah, what's uh, that? And, and that was that uh, uh, the law firm of Woodruff and, and Burns uh, was going to be the best one-two punch in the NL. Nailed that. And that you can at least you can make the argument again if if you say that the Dodgers are a category unto themselves and they don't count. And I think we uh, probably would have said that. And on the Dodgers, it would have been Trevor Bauer and you know right? Clayton Kershaw. And if you told Wait, me now, different, the, like you couldn't even you couldn't make the case now. The best one-two punch on that team is Walker Bueller, Julio Urias. So you know they're just like you said, they're just a whole different ball game over there. One other random plug that I'll make for a, a prediction gone right because this was one of those small moves that I just I just really liked because this is what now he's no longer with them. Now he's going to be in the playoffs. Uh, but I loved the Adam Duvall signing. I said that's. A, 
that's so Marlins move. They did it with Corey Dickerson the previous year. Guys hit over 40 home runs. Uh, again, for a small underrated move, uh, he uh, has actually done very well for that. So that was one of those little moves that I that I liked that I uh, ended up being right on. I can help uh, cancel out some of the Minnesota Twins nonsense. He is. They have him under contract for another year too. Mm-hmm. Good for them. Yeah, I, Duvall's great. He's such a good brave player. Well, let's move to the the final category that we have for us, and that's that. Uh, there's always next year, uh, the, the classic moniker for uh, uh, the the lovable the losers and the things that go wrong, like that, or Minnesota Twins fans and all the others. That there's always next year. Uh, well, who has real hope with that? Who can say that and actually be optimistic? Uh, we're gonna uh, fire up the hot stove just a little bit here. Uh, with some already uh, juicy rumors that are out there. Number uh, the first one isn't. The big rumors coming, but the first one, Derek Jeter has already said that the Marlins are going to spend, which you should with that pitching staff. If you want my pick on the team that's most likely to make the biggest rise, uh, that's my pick right now. Uh, Without seeing what happens in the offseason, they have pitching for days. It's young Mm -hmm. pitching that they still need to harness, but Sandy Alcantara in the second half of the year has emerged to be like a Luis Castillo-type dominant pitcher he can give you six to eight innings he can actually eat innings and do it very very well the young pitching they have this is without Sisto Sanchez coming back this next year they have like six starting pitchers right now that you would love to have in your rotation to build with which means they're going to trade from that to get a bat that way so they're going to trade for someone uh, in the offseason using that pitching they've already talked about uh, that being a, a strategy and they're also going to go sign someone within this. Uh, if they don't at least get one big bat in free agency and one in, in trade, it's going to be a, what I, a failure of an offseason. I think they get it done. Uh, so I, I'm very intrigued by by them. Uh, wh- what's your take on the, the Marlins? I would like to see them bring back Starling Marte. He's a free agent. I would like yeah. to see. He was a great fit for them. He uh, was. I I don't know, you know, he's he doesn't fit with all those pitchers you can talk about, you know, from Sandy Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, Edward Cabrera, Jesus Cesardo, Pablo Lopez. Like, uh, I feel like I'm forgetting a really good one. Oh, Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers was looking to win the rookie of the year for yeah. a long time, too. Like, all those guys are like 25, and Starling Marte will be 33, so he doesn't really fit, like, within the. But how many 25 year old stars are there that hit free agency? You, Surprisingly, this year, like Carlos Correa is close without having to spend two hundred million (laughs) dollars to do it. Yeah. So I do. I think they're going to sign a good player. Yeah. Yes. I think they will sign like a couple of good players. I think they will go out and make some good moves to try to become more competitive this year. And on paper, once again, like next year, I'll probably still pick the Braves. You know, there's a lot could change between now and then, but the Nationals, I'll I'll take the Marlins pitching over the Nationals pitching by a million miles at this point. I'm more optimistic about the Marlins than I am any other team in that division outside of what the Braves have done. Uh, yeah, versus, probably. For, at this point, versus yeah. Mets, versus yeah, Phillies, probably. versus Nationals. I'm more optimistic about uh, what the, the Marlins are building they and that if have they a, can build upon it now in the offseason. They certainly have a better talent base yes. to start with than yes. those teams. Now, you know, can Steve Cohen truly go out and throw money at any problem? Sh- sure. Could they do that? Like they said, they were going to do that this year and they brought in Lindor and, I, but I, I, that's another one where I questioned that it was all the talk about him making yep. the money rain. Yeah, he, he always didn't. went for the secondary yep, option when it came Ramuto. to the, uh, yeah, he decided to go with, yep, uh, James McCann and that move backfired. Yep. And uh, Springer, and so, he didn't get Jordan Springer. Like could, 
Could they sign? I don't know if he's willing to spend what it needs to be spent in order to do it. I, I just see them being. I see them signing Javier Baez to an yep. extension because he's friends with Francisco Lindor, and it will be a massive disaster. Javier Baez had a great year. He's has a bunch of great years. Someday his bat will slow down a fraction of a millisecond, and he will strike out at his ridiculous rate. And instead of hitting thirty home runs, he will hit fourteen with like a two twenty average. But and back to the Marlins. Yes. They will sign at least someone good. I don't think it will be like we're going to talk about, you know, someday we'll talk about all the shortstops this year. Will they go out and sign with us? I don't think they need to. They have Jazz Chisholm. Like, he can play second. He can play short. Miguel Rojas. Like, I think they're pretty set in the middle infield. I don't think they're replacing Jesus Aguilar at first base. He's been really good for them for a couple of years. And so then it's it's the outfield, and so I I'd have, I've not looked super deep into it. I know Sterling Marte's a free agent. I know he fit well there before, and why not? That's what the, the Yankees or the Cubs did that with Chapman, or the Yankees did that with Chapman, right? So And you have the, the new DH spot that's likely to come up with this mm-hmm. every, 99% chance that happens. That's what everyone in the industry is saying with the collective bargaining agreement coming. Uh, so uh, that's another opportunity to do that and should make you feel a little more comfortable about uh, signing uh, Marte to a deal. If you think that that his defense is going to erode with, with age, you have another spot uh, for him. The guys that are like the, the speedy contact guys tend to just keep things going for a little bit. I, he has also gone out with, with the amount of stolen bases. He has shown that the end is nowhere near in sight yet. Uh, so the second half of the year from Marte leaves me more confident in giving him a three- or four-year deal than it did maybe the first half. It was a good first half, but there was still the question. What he went and did after that? Kind of answers that uh, for me. There was no second half fade. He took another step up, and also, and the rate of the speed is just fantastic uh, year for Starling Marte, and he's going to make himself some money in the offseason. Here's the juicy rumor. Uh, John Heyman's report uh, that the Detroit Tigers are eyeing Carlos Correa uh, as their uh, big offensive acquisition to lead the youth movement that is going on in Detroit, do you buy John Hammond's rumor? Do you think Detroit has spent in the past? They have been in the rebuild mode. It seems like they're ready to come out of that with at least one big acquisition, uh, maybe some other smaller tier ones, but they're ready to make the next step into free agency to improve this club. I was trying to say Miguel Cabrera doesn't come off the contract till 2024 for them. So they're still paying that. They just signed Jonathan scoped to an extension like a month ago or so. So wasn't too much money though for it, him. It was not. And could they use a shortstop? Sure, they could. They could use. We just talked about how I think the Marlins don't need a whole lot of infield help, like Willie Castro and Nico Goodrum. Like if you're going to be a competitive team, you're not going to. Nico Goodrum's a backup, right? Like he he's a utility player for you. So we've talked. Mate, Detroit has pitching, right? They have not as much pitching as the Marlins, but they also have their young pitching. There's this uh-huh. Casey Mize, and Matt Manning started to show some signs of life, and Tariq Skubal, and uh, eventually maybe they get Spencer Turnbull back. So they, they have their young pitching core, too. Do they need an offensive bat? Yes. Uh, have they shown, you said, they, they've shown that they, they will spend, right? That's all they got, Miguel Cabrera here. It's been a while since we've seen them spend, but yeah, I, I, I do think they will add a big impact bat this offseason. Correa, yeah, I I just, he's not Javier Baez because he doesn't strike out that much. I think he's good. I'm not sure that he is a superstar in this game. Like, I was mentioning all those Astros players. Like, he's fine, but I think you're going to pay him like a superstar yeah, and you're going to overpay. Like, yep. 
Uh, I see a lot of Labor Torres and Carlos Correa are very similar in my mind. I think they're good players. I do. I don't think like Carlos Correa has got some health concerns. He doesn't have the 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 strikeout percentage problems that tor- that true. eventually got Glaber uh, Torres in, in trouble. But Correa, okay, look. Carlos Correa's last, he's got 147 games this year. He has 25 home runs, 91 RBIs. He's hitting 279. It's a good player. It's a very good player. Is that, let's say, is that a $30 million a year player? I don't think so. I, I would agree. Uh, yeah. But I, th- I think the, the challenge is what is going to be a $30 million player is changing yeah. in Major League Baseball. Uh, and I don't think he gets there, but I think he gets 25. What, what did so Lindor get? I uh, think of like seven years, 175 million. I think that's the the starting point for Carlos Correa. Uh, it wasn't 210 uh, for Lindor. I, I don't quite remember. I, I thought he crossed know. the 200 threshold. Okay, I see this because because like I don't think that there is much competition. Like you can tell me, I'll take Francisco Lindor many times over Francis Carlos Correa. Uh, he got 10 years, 341 million. Ooh, so I was way wrong on that. So. 34 million a year like if Carlos Correa sniffs 30 million it's too much like I just don't think he's worth that and could I be wrong yeah, does that's, at, that's rough at six foot four he's uh, not a very good defender at some point he probably moves to third he's not Manny Machado I he's good he's not great and that's what I would say if they sign him could could he be there he would be their superstar right like he would be their best player but is it the type of player that as your star gets you to the playoffs? Well, we saw Manny Machado needed help from Fernando Tatis, and the Padres still didn't make the playoffs. Does Carlos Correa by themselves bump the Tigers into the playoffs? I'm going to still take the White Sox for a long time. Like, is, is Carlos Correa, here's a question. Is Carlos Correa better than Tim Anderson? No. No, exactly. So, like, does he make them better than the White Sox? No. The problem for the Tigers, and ultimately this is where they're at, like they're they also haven't spent a lot. Their payroll is down, uh, so you got to spend it on somebody. Uh, you want to spend it at, at also at a position of need, and also a position that can be hard uh, to find someone. The only reason why this is easier right now is it's the 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 biggest uh, thing in free agency is shortstops, yep, uh, and very good shortstops. Uh, so I think with that, like it, it makes sense from where their need is. And also, you know, because you have the pitching, you got to start getting offensive upgrades somewhere. Mm-hmm. Does he turn them into a playoff team by himself? No. Uh, but is he part He's of a, a series yep. of moves that helps with that? Is he someone that's a, a first-rate starter uh, in a, a, a playoff team? Absolutely. So I, I think yep. once you start breaking it down to some of those key aspects, he checks off a lot of boxes where if you're going to spend that type of money based on what's available— yeah, but I, am I going to regret that uh, move by year five? Yeah, but am I going to do that with most of those big ticket items? Yeah, he's the start of he's the start of a rebuild. He's not the end of it. Like Carlos Correa yes. is not what's going to get you into the playoffs. And Correct. If it's Carlos Correa, and then the next couple of years you supplement around him, Carlos that, that Correa is the welcoming party. Yep. Uh, that we're now serious about uh, competing, not rebuilding, but competing, and it, it's a change of where you are. For a team that does have deep pockets, that's been holding off as part of the rebuild, I would I would tend to agree with that. It's going to be interesting to see if they actually pay up or not. Anyone else that jumps out right away? And those were the two rumors of the of the week that I thought were perfect for talking about. Uh, you know, there's always next year and identifying who has real hope. I mean, we'll do a full off season breakdown uh, when we get there. But there's just a couple of interesting rumors that were already coming out in this first. Uh, week transitioning at the end of the regular season that uh, was worth throwing out there. I just want to mention the year that the athletics had, just because they were 
they did what everybody wanted them to do. They did try to go out and make the big acquisition at the trade deadline. And, and one of the few that got it right, like perfectly right. Yeah. Starling Marte is probably the number one offensive acquisition uh, from the trade deadline. And it just didn't work out for him in the end. And, and you know, and now here we are. And now they're going to have to make a bit, lot of decisions this offseason. So here's, here's the problem with, with the Oakland Ath- uh, Athletics team. Uh, and it comes down to this, and it has happened time and time again. When you build the old and slow, the, the power and on-base percentage overall, which look at the, the majority of that offense, that's what you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, that type of roster construction ages fast. Yes, It is a precipitous drop when it happens. You never know when it's going to happen, but you know when it does. Yep, uh, And... It is. Uh, it's happened for them. The what they have constructed is not going to work, which means they need to blow up what they have, find what pieces of that are worth keeping, what pieces they're going to let go, and then how are they going to remodel how they've because this is going to be a whole new offensive approach. It has to be. That's why I wanted. To, it, they have to take, and and we've seen them do that. Like Billy Beans yeah, made movies about because of his yep. weird approaches to baseball. Now he's gone. Right. I don't know who the current GM is. I don't remember. So, so there's the big one. Who's ready to make the Billy Bean move yep. without Billy Bean being there. Cause now you have, they have to rethink this cause they're clearly, they've been close. Like you're, you're constantly close. It's like all those years that Pittsburgh was close and they would win those one or get in the one game playoffs and lose. And you felt so bad for them, but it's not working right now in Oakland, and so you're a step. You're you're clearly a step behind Houston, and Seattle's coming. Like they almost did it this year, and it's only going to get worse. <laughs> Seattle and has passed them. Yes, uh, and this current core is not going to play catch up. This core is done, uh, and which means that's a much harder off season versus think of the other teams we've talked about that are finishing the rebuilding and wanting to compete. There's a clear path. They know what they have. There is a weakness, and they can go out and try to address it. And it's very clear. Here, you have to figure out what you even have, what weaknesses you – what strengths you have, what weaknesses you, you – there's so many questions right now. That's not a clear picture. Uh, and and I, at first, you want to say, if any team's able of, of being able to remake it and do it, it's the Oakland Athletics. But that now needs to be proved. It's, uh, it's been a, new a long regime. time since we've seen it's it. It's a too. new regime. So now it's time to see uh, if the uh, next uh, generation uh, in that Oakland Athletics office, did it all lie with Billy Bean or what else is in that uh, that team? So for small market uh, baseball fans, which I appreciate, uh, I'm curious to see this offseason for them because it's a very pivotal one. This either retools it like, okay, they're on their way back, or they can go into the doldrums for a long time. Yeah. I have, I have, that'll be one to watch this offseason because I, I could see them going the way of the long rebuild a la Detroit, a la yeah. Baltimore, and a la Seattle. And now, guess what? Baltimore, like, I, we didn't talk about Baltimore, but Baltimore's coming too. Like, I believe they had both the hitter of the year and the pitcher of the year in the minor leagues this year. So, y'all are doing something right. Which is a, a good positive step. There's uh, things that are coming that one challenge I know is. They still haven't proven they can uh, do well in the free agent market. And That's the big one. They have a, the minor league system is improving. They, mm-hmm. We've seen huge improvements there, which is positive. You have some young core talent that you can use to identify as part of a core. It's the free agent side that still needs to be addressed. Their pitching is, their major league pitching is miserable right now. So, yeah, something to watch this off season. Last but first, oh sorry, well, just the just the last one is. Uh, 
a position that has been struggling in the free agent market to get paid. Mm -hmm. Uh, Overlooked, smaller deals because they can't play defense. The designated hitter. Uh, And that is uh, now going to change with 15 new job openings. uh, You have... Uh, teams that are also going to be aggressive. Uh, the San Diego Padres will be aggressive for going after that. Uh, there's other teams that will be aggressive, and I think that's an easy spot for the Marlins to do. Uh, there's also some teams that have players uh, that are probably more suited to DH that would open up a different position to get uh, to spend on that. Uh, so this is going to be a massive ripple effect and storyline in the offseason. Uh, and I think these players that weren't making a lot of money are now going to go up. Would I be shocked if Corey Dickerson is a $10 million a year player? No. And not with all the openings, not with teams wanting to use this spot to boost their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I think guys like that are going to get a chance to make more than they would have in the last five years. I remember the last offseason we saw Jack Peterson left the Cubs and there was very little interest and he went first to, where did he go? He got traded. No, he went uh, to the Cubs from the Dodgers. Eight million? Yeah, it was like eight million. And then Schwarber went and got only like a ten million dollar deer. Guess what? Like, if there's a DH on the league, Kyle Schwarber is going to get paid this offseason. Like yep. big. Yep. So because that is exactly what you want. His 30 home run power with a high on base percentage. Like Kyle Schwarber is built to be a DH. Jack Peterson, his is always like he has more of a platoon split thing going on. So you always got to deal with that with Jack Peterson. But like those guys will start getting paid. There's you're not going to see those big power hitting guys who these last couple of years have kind of taken it's always been you can't overpay them because you know what happens if they if they bottom out well now it's if there's if you find a spot for them you don't have to worry about their defensive deficiencies yep. Yep. You, you get paid and and such a uh, uh because there's such a strong demand strong market the, this offseason that's coming it also means JD Martinez uh 20 million dollar option uh that's there no one thought a year ago that he would be even looking at dropping that out. With what's out there, he can easily get a three-year, $50 million contract uh, from from a contending team. So I think he is going to opt out of that and look for a free agent dollars. His agent will sniff around beforehand to be confident about the multi-year deal. But I, I think now what wasn't expected is going to happen. Well, his agent is Scott Boris. And Scott oh, Boris, yeah, he's always thinks Scott Boris happen. loves getting paid. And so, yeah, J.D. Martinez, remember... Last year at this time we were talking, is, is J.D. Martinez washed up? Remember, he had the abysmally bad short season. He's another one that was like Marcus Simeon. Like, is J.D. Martinez washed up? Well, obviously it was 60 games, and J.D. Martinez was, last I knew, he led the American League in doubles this year. And so, he credited uh, the video access yep, He got to be huge. able to watch his things again. So, and yeah, J.D. Martinez, if, if 30 teams are suddenly going to have a designated hitter, J.D. Martinez has been one of the best two designated hitters with Nelson Cruz for the last I don't know, 10 years, five years at least for sure. So yeah, if he opts out, he's Nelson Cruz is also a free agent. Like you, you start to get all those big names out there. So that'll be an interesting uh, thing to, to look in the off season. But before we get there, there's playoff baseball. Enjoy wildcard uh, week. Enjoy the, the AL and NLDS rounds as we get underway with playoff baseball. And we'll be back next week to a uh, talk aftermath. That's right.